0: Hello everyone, welcome to Droning On Live. <laughs> I'm not Ash, my name is Dan and uh, we're gonna be chatting to Ash about, I guess the, the evolution of Droning On firstly and, and learning about his journey through his, uh, his ownership of different drones and how Droning On came to be. And then we're just gonna talk about the evolution and the future of drones as a whole. And uh, where's, you know where, where's that gonna go? Where are drones going to go? What possible technology might we see in the future? Um, and yeah, just the general chat with uh, everyone in the comments as well would be fantastic to learn about everyone else's kind of journey into drones, what got them interested in drones and, um, yeah, where they see themselves going in the the coming months or years. So thank you, firstly, Ash, it has been a very long time coming (laughs) of us sitting down and chatting. So I appreciate you spending some time with us today.
1: Pleasure. Yeah. Hey guys. So you can see me now. This is a very, very ad hoc stream over here. Um, But hopefully it works out, and hopefully we're looking and sounding good. Sorry, I'm a bit shiny. I need to sort out the window. But yeah, this is Dan's show, basically, and we we just offered to uh, host this on Droning On Live. Dan will also be presenting this onto his own brilliant channel. Um, And also, this is on behalf of their uh, brilliant community over there in Australia, the Mavic Mini um, group. You might want to introduce a little bit more about that as well, Dan, but this is your show, so... Take yeah in. for sure yeah
0: so for the for context for everyone else out there who's listening we've got a uh, a very hyper niche group called mavic mini australia but we're open to really anyone joining the group um there will be some changes coming to the group very soon but we do have lots of uh you know competitions lots of giveaways lots of events which is uh what we're doing today with ash um so we've got some really exciting things coming up coming up on mavic mini australia and we're really just trying to create I guess a club you know a drone club where people can feel welcome and comfortable and have open conversations uh, without getting kind of shot down by the community so we 're really trying to open up conversations and allow everyone to ask uh, the questions that they're they 're burning to ask about their drone or about the rules or regulations or whatever it may be so that 's kind of what we 're trying to trying to foster over there a really nice friendly community which so far it 's been fantastic, so definitely join us if uh If you want to learn more about drones in general, the Mavic Mini joins some competitions and giveaways. That'd be fantastic.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mavic Mini is still one of my favorites. I haven't had much chance to fly it recently, but it is such a good little drone. And, um, you know, the the other drones, the other Mavic range are nice and portable and compact, but the Mavic Mini, you just can't beat because it really does fit in your pocket. So it's definitely one of my mm. favorites. And I'll be joining your group as well, as long as you'll have me as an honorary Brit living in Sweden, (laughs) in an Australian We might let it slide.
0: (laughs) yeah it really is such a powerful drone and it's such a great starting point for so many people as well i find you know just through my youtube channel like i'll find a lot of people will ask me what drone should i get that's such a common question and i feel like the mavic mini really is one of those great like solid starting points for a lot of people
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: so in terms of uh yourself ash i'd love to hear your kind of journey and your trajectory through through drones what what started your love of drones how did this whole thing start for you
1: well that's the weird thing really i i didn't start with drones and i think that these days you know drones are so easy to get into and anyone can buy a drone anyone can pretty much anybody can fly a drone my mother's flown my drone my dad's flown my drones um and you know that's a very different generation for them because you know when they were younger they didn't have anything really apart from control line um things that flew um so I started when I was 12 flying radio-controlled aircraft. So I remember when I was 12 heading over to the flying field with my dad and we, I had a, a Glow Fuel, so a two-stroke plane, and mm. you'd fill it up with, with fuel, and it was a great feeling refueling and you know actually starting the engine, you know, like you do a full-size rotary aircraft, mm-hmm. actually starting it and then taking off and launching up <laughs> into the air. And, yeah, it was a very, very satisfying feeling.
0: Yeah, that's awesome so that's how it all started hey so it was like you and your dad kind of learning with what so it was a fixed wing plane that you'd have to you'd have to fuel with petrol
1: yeah yeah basically and then you take off and this is the difference as well you know um you fly a drone now and when you're up there flying around for 20 minutes or so you know you've got a constant indication on the screen of how much flight time have you got left and you'd know that i should start flying back now whereas when you're flying (laughs) with glow fuel on board and you're only using your eyes you've got no you know remote fpv view so you're kind of having to listen because you can hear the tone of the engine change as it starts to run out and lean out on the fuel Um, so you'd have to listen for that but sometimes you'd just be having so much fun you'd forget and the engine would stop (laughs) and so then you'd have a dead stick landing where you know you you, you'd shout dead stick and everyone in the in the airfield (laughs) knows that they need to sort of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look how yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd basically then just drift it in and land it but you know what i loved i loved the fact that you then land refuel not just take a battery output a battery and actually plug in a fuel hose f- feed in some more fuel light start the engine again and take off and ah oh, amazing fun. yeah have you ever flown a fixed wing rc aircraft no,
0: has anyone else keith or anyone
1: I think we've lost that's
0: game. something I'd lo- love to do hey that would be fantastic and it you know like you said there's more of a process to it it's not just oh just take out that battery put in the other one my controls already turned off I take straight back up again to the sky it's yeah you know you don't I guess it's it's a process you're sitting there you're waiting for it to fuel and I'm guessing you would get get attuned to the different sounds would you it's more like you, you've got to be even more present listening to what's going on
1: absolutely yeah because the other side of it is um, you might have actually you have a carburetor. You know, it's an engine. Mm. It's not a, a brushless motor that's that's running yeah. or not running. And sometimes you just couldn't wouldn't quite get the tune right. And also, if in summer, you tune them differently to so you would in winter. So before you take off, you know, you've got the engine running. The first thing you do is tweak that carburetor a little bit, like a choke kind of thing, or opening, letting more fuel mm. or more air in. Uh, sometimes you'd hear, you know, it'd start spluttering in air as the engine started to oh, warm well. up, and you'd be thinking, oh no. Um, and i'll never forget you know you had other problems as well so you'd have um you know we used to run the receivers on aa batteries so your receiver pack would have maybe three, you know be running on three aa batteries and sometimes you'd well i remember my dad spent six months building a cessna 152 a really i think it was a 55 inch wingspan um mm. i think that's about over a meter i'm rubbish with inches now
0: um mm-hmm.
1: But I remember him spending ages and he wrapped all the wings, built them up, you know, wooden wing structure and everything. And it looked beautiful. And he rolled. Mm. We got to the airfield and I said, Dad, shall I maiden fly this plane? Because you don't fly. You just take me to the airfield and, you know, you're my wheels, my transport. And he said, (laughs) no, no, son, I have built this. I'm going to fly it. It's my aircraft. (laughs) Started this massive 152 MDS engine. I think it was MDS was the brand at the time thing roaring down the runway like massive bigger than anything i'd owned or flown at the age of 12 took off and it carried on and it was looking really good and i said to my dad mm. you're not going to bank now and turn around because it's going to be out of visual sight so you're not gonna be able to see it i'm trying son i'm trying <laughs> and we think that the receiver pack battery had died because after oh. it took off it just carried on and on and on this Uh, this is 30 years ago it it was a very different safety thing back then i mean now it would be catastrophic such a big aircraft but we we were taken off from a runway of an airfield where we had permission to fly there was nothing around for miles and these things didn't fly for that long or that sort of range so we found the aircraft smashed up in a pile surrounded by cows um, after about two hours of hunting uh, but yeah it, had, oh. yeah, it had its challenges as the as modern drones today, that's for sure.
0: Oh, that's devastating as well. All that work gone into it. Oh. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's
2: cute that you actually had a motor. Uh, maybe I'm going to show my age here, but my first intro to flight was gliders. And uh, you, you didn't have a remote control. You you just hope your glider was really shit because if it was really good you had a long way to go to get it back. <laughs> I <like>, know. Oh <laughs> yeah, you just hope it'd go fifty meters will do. I just want it to fly, you know, and sometimes they'd go and go and go and you know, it'd be four five hundred meters plus with these, you know, big gliders wow. that you make out of balsa and uh tissue and I can't remember what it was that you put over them to you know make the um the tissue tight. and but anyway, if you had a really good one, yeah, you were sort of almost dreading it working because you knew you were up for a big hike to go and fetch it back again. But they were really thrown to get. You know, so, and I'm yeah, guessing I'm, uh,
0: you, you didn't have to
2: run rudder control.
0: Yeah. And and what they're sort of tracking as well. So you were just guessing where it could have gone. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. It
2: could have gone anywhere. It's like throwing a paper
1: plane.
0: Yeah. And it's like you just yeah. hope that it's in that general yeah. direction.
1: Yeah, but did they ever land in one piece? Could you ever fly them more than once? Or did it land and smash?
2: Sometimes, (laughs) if you're lucky, yeah, if it landed in a grass field, you'd be good for another throw. Uh, But more often than not, they ended up in bushes or trees or something. Oh, yeah, right and uh I can remember because the um the wings because they were you know one um one long wing that went across the central central body and that used to be put on with elastic bands um so you'd always find it with the the you know wing had flown off that direction and the fuselage was over that direction <laughs> and you' know, to get more elastic bands out and try and fix the wings back on and give it another throw
1: that was the other problem <laughs> with glow fuel um yeah we used to hold the the fixed wings together with elastic bands you'd, you'd put the wing on. And then secure elastic bands diagonally over yeah. the top of it. But glow fuel yeah. <laughs> used to rot anything that was made of rubber; it would just literally dissolve it. So you had to sometimes you'd have to check your elastic bands before every day of flying because there wouldn't be any elastic band left. But um, the next step from then, I mean, it's good to start with this because you know we're talking about the evolution of drones. This is yeah. where it all began. You know, this is <clears throat> long before you know this. Let's the, the thing still common to all of this is. The fact that you had a transmitter and a receiver you know that's the, the, the persistent bit that's gone all the way through to modern drones now um i then got into helicopters and started flying helicopters which absolutely loved i had a Herobo shuttle was my, one of my first thir- first um then i that was a 30 size and then i had a can't remember the name of the bigger one but i bought a 60 size helicopter that thing was massive it was taller than me from nice. boom to to cockpit front and that was glow fuel as well. So when you started the engine and the sound of the um, oh, the rotors no. whirring up and blowing the the glow fuel down just sounded lovely. I just got a call out. Sorry on YouTube, Tim Jackson just said, "Is this pre-recorded?" No, hey Tim, we're here. We're live. Um, <laughs> for everybody watching hey, on YouTube, this is such an ad hoc stream. Um, we we just decided randomly to try and understand how OBS works and send it to YouTube. So thanks just to some of the guys, Tim, Rick, uh, Sean, uh, Birdseye, Drone Viral, everyone for joining. This is, you know, really appreciate your support. And let us know if, you know, if we can do anything to improve the quality of the stream. Hopefully we're looking and sounding okay. But uh, back to you anyway, Dan.
0: Yeah, cool. So then you went to the helicopters and then, so when, when was this as well, just for a kind of a timeline? Like how, so you said you started at 12 with the fixed wings. And then when did you kind of go into the helicopters?
1: So I I flew fixed wing up until the point um, at which I left home, I think, because that was the point where I could actually afford a helicopter. They were really expensive in those days, um, mainly because of the engines. You know, a brushless motor mm. and a speed control doesn't really cost a lot. But uh, an actual two-stroke engine, you know, they, they had quite a price tag to them and keeping them running was a pain. Uh, and the challenge with the helicopter is that to fly a helicopter – you need to know how to auto-rotate, which is when, if the end, the motor fails, um, the procedure to, you know, a, a plane you can land and drift down. A helicopter will just drop um, unless what? you use something called auto-rotation where you basically invert the pitch of the rotors, let it fall to spin up the rotors as it's falling, and then just as it's about to touch down, you reverse the pitch of the of the rotors to ev- effectively generate lift, and I only had to do that once in my helicopter flying. But it was terrifying because the challenge with helicopters is that when you crash those, you crash them. You know, mm. it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars to fix every time you crash them. A bit like getting into FPV, but much more yeah. expensive with a helicopter. So, that so was, was it a bad. successful landing? Yeah, that one was. Yeah, but I smashed up pretty much every other helicopter just flying them <laughs> regularly. So the time that yeah. I had to... You know, the time that I really could have really smashed it up, I didn't. Every other time, I smashed them up by accident. But I was probably about, <laughs> yeah, right. probably about eighteen by that point.
0: Okay, so you've been in that that space for a long time then. You, you've really kind of seen quite an evolution through, <laughs> through to from fixed wings to helicopters, and then was your next was your next purchase a drone then, or did you have something else after that?
1: Um No, then got into gliders. I had a ten foot glider 10 foot wingspan glider um 10 feet in centimeters i don't know a lot but this thing was gigantic and um it was powered as well so rather than having to slope saw you know i could actually take to take this thing to a field each wing barely fit in my car um they were so so long and this thing when you cut you basically use the motor to get it up into the air and then cut the motor and just glide around and if you did a a dive bomb and a, a swoop up The sound it made was just like lovely sound. That's, I think, as I got older, I needed to relax a bit more um, and chill out. Um, I've actually got some old videos of these, and I'll try and find them on YouTube. But um, yeah, gliding was great. And I tell you what, anybody now that loves drones, I still always go back to my gliders. I I love them, Mm. and it's such a, a great way to chill. You know, it's a really relaxing experience, and you get a really, really long flight time as well, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what the modern gliders as well do you have control over them? Like you said that some of them had uh like propellers, right? Or some form of motor?
1: Yeah, so the the one I had had a brushless motor at the front, so we were getting on a bit now later brushless motors were still very expensive um and mm. they were very very heavy and they, you know but they produced so much more power than a brushed motor. And so that was really you know when we started to understand brushless motors. I remember looking at it and thinking why the hell has it got three wires coming out of the back of it instead of two? What happened to black and red? Now we've got three <laughs> different colors. What what's going on? Um, but yeah, the, the, that's when it really started to get exciting because you take off and then as soon as you stopped um the the motor stopped, you know, up in the air, the folding prop would fold back so that you had loads of aerodynamics and you know that was just great oh, fun. Right. Absolutely yeah, love it. Cool
0: did you say you're bringing up some videos?
1: I'll try and find um, if I can. I'm not sure. And even if I can show, I don't know how I share. Is this working? Yeah, I think it is. We're very, oh, very God. new to OBS, I'm afraid. But yeah. I don't know if you can <laughs> see on the stream. I think the guys on the stream can see this glider. Um, but there you go. 10, 10.5 feet wide, in fact.
0: Wow. Oh, so God.
1: this is your video here. Oh, wow, that's so cool. This is mine. Enc- oh, just- Oh, that was the maiden flight, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's wow. awesome. And that's, you know, that really got me interested in um, slope soaring. So you can see it's just lovely. You only had rudder and elevator control, no aileron, um, no flaps. So when you tried to land this thing, this was the landing. It did not want to go down. It was so aerodynamic <laughs> and light. Oh wow. Yeah. Trying to get it down on the ground. It didn't want to stop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was born to glide.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's just absolutely loved, absolutely love that glider. I recommend that still to today. Anybody that you know wants to get into gliding, um, or anyone who wants to try an alternative type of flight, buy yourself a glider because mm-hmm. they're great
0: fun. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. So then when was your first drone purchase after that?
1: Um, my first drone purchase was a Hubsan X4. I think as everybody's oh, yeah. first drone purchase was. Yeah. And it's funny, I walked into a, an electronics shop the other day and I, I saw their shelf stacked with um, X4s. And it's lovely to see it's still for <laughs> sale because it's a great drone. You can crash it, smash it. Anybody watching now that you know wants to get into drones and you want something that's really quite robust – I still to this day recommend considering a Hubsan X4 because they are great mm-hmm. and they're cheap.
0: Yeah, and they're a great brand as well. They have a lot of um, you know, aftermarket care as well with their parts, which is great. So if you do have any issues, they've got quite an extensive, extensive kind of range of propellers available and accessories and components, which is great. Yeah. That was one of my early ones as well.
1: Definitely. Yeah, they're, they're really, really durable. What about you, Keith? What was your first drone?
2: Yeah, pretty sure mine was a Hubson as well, um, <laughs> and uh, I think it lasted about eight minutes. Uh, <laughs> I it. Uh, yeah, um, typical guy. Didn't bother reading any of the instructions. Just stuck batteries in it and uh, sent it on its way straight to a tree, and that was probably train the drones which is cool <laughs> didn't put me off them <laughs> wow. it'd be nice to have a bit of a longer flight but hey i'm used <laughs> to gliders that just you know you throw they just pff, into the ground it's so that was quite horrible. a long flight for me true. yeah
1: yeah that's true yeah i mean it's it's progress isn't it it's it's learning and if you can smash them up it's you know what i, I think of the analogy when i bought my first car at the age of 17 i had a ford fiesta uh, 1.1 1. 1. it was 1983 the the car and I remember that it was only when I rolled that car over that I realized mm-hmm. I wasn't indestructible I realized I wasn't um, a Formula One driver that didn't crash mm-hmm. you know I realized that I could actually hurt myself and it's a bit like that with drones it's you know people are so overconfident when they buy their drone now because they do so much for you and I think you need to crash a drone, or maybe two, a few times, to realise that you need to fly them carefully. It's invaluable crashing I, as much as it is flying them.
2: Yeah, and, and I've, I've brought this up a few times about um, the synergy with uh, riding horses, and they they say that you you can't, you, you know, you're not a horse rider until you've fallen off about twenty times, <laughs> and because other than that, you're just sitting on it, and yeah. You know, the horse is taking you on its journey or whatever, but to be a really good rider, you literally have to fall off about a dozen times. I think drone flying is very similar. I think if you've never ever crashed a drone in years of flying drones, I don't know you're really flying them. You're just sort of, you're running through the controls and stuff, and you're playing it really safe, Um, but you've never taken it anywhere risky. You're not really pushing it to the limits, you're just sort of, you know, running the controls, which is not quite the sort of same thing. So, yeah, I mean, there's been a few times where I've had a couple of close calls. There's been a few times where I've, you know, hit, hit a wall because I've got too close. Um, but I've learned from that, yeah. You know, and I think unless you do sometimes, you know, push yourself a little bit, you, you know, always get the benefit of that sort of experience, you know? So when you actually need to be going somewhere that's a little bit more difficult, um, and that's when your your anxiety starts kicking, and you start freaking out. True, because you're just not used to it. Yeah,
1: yeah. See, it's, it's easy to become complacent as a drone operator. Mm. You know, to forget to check your props before you fly, to you know, forget this and that. So yeah, you're absolutely valid point.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, that's that's really good. And like in terms of um, starter drones, then do do either of you have recommendations? You said the Hubson Four. What are your thoughts on like the Tello as a starter drone, for example, like a practice drone?
1: (laughs) I personally, I mean, Tello is great. You know, Tello is really, really good. But to be honest, if you want to really, really become a good drone operator, the first drone you should buy should be one without GPS, without optical flow positioning, um, without, you know, VPS system. It should be a drone that you actually have to fly because otherwise you just become complacent. You, You know, you think that all drones will hold their position when you um, let go of the control sticks. The reality is that you know every drone operator out there needs to be ready for ATTI mode. They need to be ready for a loss of compass, a loss of GPS, because it will mm-hmm. happen to you one day. It's, in my drone flying, throughout owning lots and lots of drones, it's only happened once to me where I've lost. Um, I had an ATTI failure, it went into ATTI mode. I think the GPS or the compass, one, of the, one or the other failed. And I remember it started to drift, and I thought, oh, crap. And you mm. have to manually pilot it because when when that happens it won't hover in its position when you let go of the sticks it will fly away and all the flyaways that we hear about these days you know the majority you'll read the operator saying in a forum oh my drone flew away it just didn't you know it just went i, I had no control of it well that's because it went into atti mode and you didn't know how to fly it back to yourself manually and also mm. the other thing is return to home i hate that feature and i wish there wasn't actually Nah, i can't really, i almost wish there wasn't a button for it on the controller mm. i wish it was there if in an emergency that the drone invokes itself because i see and i read about far too many operators even a youtuber that has a massive following uses return to home on almost every single flight to get his drone back and that quite frankly just means you can't fly you know, you shouldn't mm. be using return to home. If you can't navigate your drone back to yourself and land it yourself, then you shouldn't own a drone really.
0: Mm. And we've spoken about the, the default setting as well for return to home is normally 30 meters. So a lot of people don't look into that. And as we've mentioned on on previous events, you know, 30 meters, you could be hitting a, a tree at 30 meters or you, you could be hitting a building at that height. Like you need to, if you are using return to home for whatever reason need to change that setting. Otherwise you know there's a high possibility you might hit something which people don't seem to look into that setting or maybe know that there's a setting there for that um and yeah you do notice a lot of people kind of uh rely on that
2: also well, there's one um when you see comments about uh hit the return to home it didn't return to home it just landed um <laughs> because they're, they're like 30 meters away i'm like why are you returning the home from 30 minutes away? (laughs) Turn it around and fly back. I mean, it's there. Exactly. You can go and grab it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is an over-reliance on return home. I mean, I I don't use it at all. And so I'll either use my camera to get me back or I'll um, use the map and fly back on the map. And so I actually use the return home button. I mean, it doesn't help if you've got no GPS because the map's pretty much useless. Um, but certainly um you know, if you can uh, turn the camera around you should know where you are. Um exactly. so yeah, you know, it shouldn't be too hard to get you back. And then, you know, once you get within a reasonable distance you can hear it. And so you you know you're you're pretty close. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I do think there is a reliance on return home. Yeah, I
1: mean yeah. always always know where it is in the sky. We should all be flying line of sight. We should always be, you know, be able to look up and see our drone. Um and when you fly your drone back, please get you know, everybody get into the habit of Looking at your drone and flying it back visually without looking at the, the screen—that's how. If that, if you can do that, you become a far better operator. So you control your altitude, you control your direction, your ascent. The other thing, the other common mistake people make, is to fly their drone above them and then to just descend all the way down. Try and fly your drone back to yourself whilst descending as well, because mm-hmm. drones prefer to be in in forward motion. You you actually conserve battery by flying in forward motion you actually use more battery in a hover than you do in forward mm. or backwards or sight in flight basically in, in directional flight so you're actually preserving your battery if you're moving um i mean it's not not really a consideration if the drone's above you and you're descending to land anyway but it's just learning to be a better operator by controlling coordinating your altitude and your movement at the same time you'll become far yeah. better as an operator
0: Mm. And that's actually, um, you know, reminded me of a lot of comments that I, I received on my early Mavic Mini videos about how there was a lack of, you know, sensors, a lack of a, a tracking mode and how a lot of the time it's actually focused on the pilot to to learn how to fly and, and learn a lot of these maneuvers. So. You know, uh, I, I was a little kind of indifferent to it. I almost expected that, that it would have it, but people made a really good point that this also forces people not to rely on all these active track modes and all these automated modes. It's it's actually forcing you to learn how to fly the drone. It is. yeah. yeah that, um,
2: they were talking about they weren't going to buy a Mavic Mini because it didn't have um, the forward sensors on it, so mm. they're going to go buy a Mavic Air 2. I'm like, you're really going to spend an extra grand just cuz you couldn't be bothered to figure out where the hell your drone was uh, <laughs> because I, yeah you don't really need sensors the only time the sensors have gone off on my mavic 2 pro was when my donkey decided to walk up <laughs> and have a have a good look so I've, I've, my wife one day asked me to have a check on the animals um and i'd hurt my back and she'd gone to work so i'm like oh yeah sure so i opened the window and sent the mavic 2 out um Flew around the property, checked the horses, took a few photos, checked the donkeys, took a few photos, emailed her the photos, said, Yeah, the animal's fine. And she's like, Did you send your drone out? And I'm like, Yeah, um, <laughs> when I did. Um, but when, when I sent the uh, drone across to the horse paddock, the horses all bolted, they scarped everywhere. And just at the, as soon as they heard um, mm-hmm. the Mavic coming in, they were off. But the donkeys are much more inquisitive. So I've got the video and it's sort of the um, drone and it's sort of hovering a couple of meters above the ground. And the next minute, my sensors are going off. And I've looked down at the video stream and one of my donkeys is. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Mavic Mavic starts to back up. And I think that's the only time I actually had my sensors go off. So it, it (laughs) it seemed a really bizarre comment. Yeah, I'd rather spend another grand to have forward sensors. Yeah. When um, I'm just like, well, but if you if you're flying your drone properly, you don't really need the sensors in the first place. I mean that's Well I tell you really what, getting... it
1: it depends really. it depends on the use of the drone because the you know, when I, I took the Mavic two air, uh, Mavic Air two, sorry, God, into <laughs> a forest to test its active track. Because, you know, I, I must say I've I've got the you know, I've owned loads of Mavics, all the range, never ever used active track until the Mavic Air 2 came out because I was quite excited by APAS evolving to the point where it really was clever, and um, mm. you know I must say that's where the the limitations of the the lack of side sensing on the Mavic Air 2 really shone, because it nearly and its upward lack of upward as well because it nearly crashed into a tree, uh, whereas the Mavic 2 wouldn't have done that because it had its side sensing and its you know upward sensing, so it. You know, it depends on your use of the drone. But if you're never going to be using active active track, then you don't need any sensing, literally, mm. as long as you're a competent <laughs> operator. <laughs>
2: yeah. you, 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 are, you are right. I actually had to send mine into a um, a very enclosed building um, a couple of months back, and uh, I switched it rather than using the Mavic Mini. I switched across to the Mavic Two, um, for that reason, um, because I had had to actually, literally I had to drop it almost down the chimney, um, so it was better. Uh, 600 mil by 600 mil, and had to drop it down in and then fly it through. So, that, I mean, that, that's when the sensors are handy, yeah. And the only problem is, some sometimes the sensors become problematic because then they start pushing your way, and then you sort of, you know what I mean, sensors going off all over the place. True, so mm.
1: that's true. I've got a couple of videos. The only thing is, I think the people watching on your stream, um. Dan wouldn't be able to see the, sh- the videos I'm showing, but you maybe could edit those in later for the stream. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, happy if I just show a couple of these. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll make you laugh. I mean, this really shows how much we've evolved now with um, FPV. This was mm. back in 2013, so seven years ago. No, actually, sorry, 2008. Oh, that could have been when the camera reset. I don't know but anyway a long time ago and this was a attack- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this was strapping a little camera a digital camera onto the front of a, a dual motor jet that i loved flying now these things Whoa. you had no time to think when you were flying these genuinely they were so so rapid um and mm-hmm. this is all line of sight there was no you know no um fpv feed i literally had to land it to look at the footage um, but this is, you know, you can see how far you can see line of sight because I'm flying this only by eyes. Um, and it was quite a windy day as well. But this was all we had back then. You know, I had a five minute flight before I had to land it again. It was carrying a massive nickel metal hydride battery pack. Um, and I think it's this video where I come into land and I nearly hit myself and I have to jump out of the way. <laughs> Um watch
0: well, <laughs> it's almost like the early days of FPV here. Yeah, look absolutely.
1: Oh no, it wasn't this one. Um that was one, and then here's the actual jet itself. Ooh, so this is what the actual it. jet looked like. Um so it's 30 amps it was pulling from the batteries. Oh, so cool. mm. <laughs> and literally to launch them you'd start the motors. God, I look so I look older there Ooh. than I do now. Throw it, throw it. And look at the big yeah. antenna on the old RF uh, transmitter. Yeah. I've got audio as well, actually. You'll hear it when it dies. So I don't know if you can hear the audio. No,
2: because we're on mute. Uh.
1: But these things were so, so rapid. You know, that's seeing it in the air, you can see just how quickly it flew. And I think if you gave that to most drone operators now they would not stand a chance of being able to control it. And, you know, this is where yeah. I say about buying a manual drone that has no stabilisation, no no control system that keeps it in, in, in a hover. If you can fly something manually, then you can fly anything. And there are so many other avenues to really controlled that, you know, you guys should all explore because the feeling and the thrill of flying something like that, amazing fun.
0: Mm. Would you say that that's prepared you more for flying drones now? Like with your knowledge from flying all these different, you know, flight options out there? Like has has it improved your knowledge? Would you say?
1: Yeah, definitely. Because you understand more about aviation. It's not just about controlling the drone. It's more about understanding yeah. the aircraft. You know what can it do? What are the limits of this aircraft? And you know, I keep shuddering when I see these people installing custom firmware on their drones. Uh, the DJI drones to increase the, the tilt threshold and increase the vertical uh-huh. um, ascent and descent. I don't think they understand that DJI have put those, those constraints in for a good reason, because when you start mm. to tilt a quad beyond a certain point, you're, comp- you're, you're reducing its ability to maintain altitude. And that means that ultimately you're going to fly the drone in a way that it's not really meant to be flown. And that's fine if you know what you're doing, but for those mm. people just flashing it and not really understanding the the, the aerodynamics it's definitely a risk.
0: Yeah, yeah. And do you have any more, like you mentioned, that you know, starting out with a drone without GPS and kind of all these safety, safety options inbuilt where it's just hovers and it holds its position and it's just almost like you don't have to think about it. Besides, obviously, your recommendation of maybe starting with something where you really have to learn how to control something without any system in place. Do you have any other kind of recommendations for people wanting to start out with any sort of flight, options that are out there like whether it is you know fbv or the the fixed wings or the gliders or drones
1: we'll see you have any we, other thing that stands out as soon as you run the australia mavic mini group i have to say this don't i <laughs> <laughs> mavic mini because it is just a, a brilliant little brilliant little aircraft and I'm, I'm this one um this one came to me from dji so it's an ex-demo one actually um, oh yeah but it's been you know it's been bashed about um it's, it's hard-wearing. I mean, the video that I um, put live where I flew this thing in a hotel, you know, shows just how capable this drone is. I don't know if you've seen that video. Um, you right, I don't think so. Uh, but I, I took the drone. Basically, it was in, right in the middle of COVID. Um, and I just thought, it's time to do something a little bit different with this Mavic Mini and see what it can do. And so I took... I was actually working from a hotel one day, and I just thought let 's see what this thing is really capable of you know let 's see how much I can push it and so I flew it in a hotel. I got permission from the hotel the hotel was closed at the time, so there was nobody in the restaurant um, or in any of the public areas and I put together this video, which i 've okay. given the you know hotels have really suffered through this pandemic. And so I've given them full 4K footage to use for their marketing. Um, you know, no mm. charge because they need as much as they can get. Um, I mean, you could never get a Mavic Air 2 through that Ooh. gap.
0: That little gap, yeah.
1: Not a chance. Um,
0: that's nice. And it's, was um, that the was that the only take? Did yeah. you did you crap? No, I, that was the only take. There
1: day. was one take wow. there, and I was I impressed myself. I don't know how, but uh, this is all Mavic Mini. Um, this is all you know pretty much video straight from the drone as well Um, I didn't have to really apply any colour grading to any of this Um, and I just think it's such a great drone because you know if I was doing this with the Mavic 2 or the Mavic Air I would not be comfortable flying it in a hotel that I didn't own a very prestigious hotel Um, you know I love this shot I was really pleased with this flying flying through these big ball things it was a bit tricky on the way back because after I'd flown through them once, I decided to turn around and fly back. But because of the air draft, they started to wobble.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah would have
1: but the staff oh, were yeah. the staff loved watching it. You know, they'd never seen anybody fly a drone indoors, and you imagine for this this kind of thing could be really good for a hotel that's struggling with business because of COVID. This could go viral, and I hope that they do something with the footage because you know it'd be lovely to see them. Making the most of it, really. Mm. The one
2: way you went, this one there, where you went through the light bulbs. Yeah, that's a really nice shot. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. really cool. It's a bit dreamy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's
0: good. Yeah, really cool.
1: This is quite cool as well, through some tables. Um, mm. and, um, and this
0: really is invaluable, isn't it? Invaluable marketing for them. It is,
1: and all with this little drone. Yeah, you know, it's it's incredible, really. I I love this little drone. It's absolutely brilliant.
0: It's
2: my, it's my go-to drone, so even though I've got a Mavic Two, um, I still prefer the Mini. I'll, yeah, I pull the Mini out more than I have the Mavic Two at the moment.
1: Yeah, I must <laughs> say I, I do, but but you know what? The other side of it is that when you when you've flown the Mini for a while, um, or you've flown the Mavic Air for a while, flying uh, flying the Mavic Two after flying these little drones feels like such an honour. Like it, it feels like going from flying a Cessna. To stepping into a um, a Dreamliner, it just feels <laughs> there's something really special about it. <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> um, oh, that's great!
1: But I gave them all of the footage, and you know this was the closing shot of it as well, which they've got a lovely big rug in the hotel, and I thought that'd be mm. a nice vertical ascent straight upwards.
0: Yeah. It really um, does enable so many options with the Mavic Mini, doesn't it? Like so many industries could benefit. Like imagine the real estate industry in general. Like yeah, yeah, some of those shots you get would be fantastic.
1: Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's and this is what I'm seeing now in in FPV. You know, in a few months ago, well, a few years ago, it's all about shots for co- commercial TV content on the drone. Um, You You know, know, a fixed GPS type drone. But now it's all about the FPV shots, you know, bringing these shots, swooshing in and, you know, flying around. And they're so cinematic. And it's, you know, I'm into FPV (laughs) as well. Mm. I've got a few of them over there on the wall so that I can just grab them and go out and fly. Um, But, you know, it's making me...
0: Sorry, go on. What's that one in the middle you've got with the cage around it?
1: Um, This is one that was sent to me and I never... Actually, didn't review it. Um, it's a Xiaomi. Oh, okay. I'm yet to review it. Let me just grab it. It's oh, a Xiaomi wow. yeah, folding drone. It's quite an unusual one, actually. I, I I love the look of it. It's got a tiltable uh, gil- gimbal on there as well, just a one-axis little tilting gimbal. Uh, but it's folding hmm. like that. Oh, that's cool. So it's quite quite yeah, a cool, quite a cool design. But it's also unusual in that the props are actually on, on the underside. Oh. Um, the oh. downside of that is that if, <laughs> if you hand catch it in flight, <laughs> ouch! Oh, so it's right, a, it's of course. A nice idea, but it needed cages underneath as well, rather than just uh, yeah. So it's quite quite bizarre. Just um, to yeah. Mike in the chat, sorry, Mike. Yeah, that is the the hotel that I used to work from. Actually, we've moved away from there now, but the Mavic Mini video is from from working. Um, <laughs> I used to work from there, like hot desk from that hotel. So, I got to know all of the staff, you know, like like really good friends actually, and still in contact with them now. They were so, so good to me, and, you know, so hence giving them the, all of that footage. Um, you know, but yeah, it's a nice drone, and then there's a couple of five inch FPV quads, and then there's a couple of three inches. Um, there's an Emacs there, which is one of my favorite little uh, micro brushless three inches. Hmm. Um, and it's just a it's a great way to chill out and unwind FPV you know it's it, you're in in your own little world and you can you know really really be creative it's like dancing you know it, mm-hmm. it's a real it's very satisfying i recommend you guys have a go but that will also help your gps drone skills because again you are, you have to understand a lot more about flight and aviation and how an aircraft stays up in the air Uh, to fly FPV. And so that can help with flying, you know, regular quads as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great advice. So (laughs) we've probably only touched on the surface of your journey through all the different (laughs) drones and different things that you've been flying throughout your time. And instead of kind of going through, you know, every single one that you've owned, what, at what point, like what was the catalyst for you to go, okay, I'm going to start droning on. How did that come about?
1: Um, So that's quite a funny one really, because there was a drone crowdfunder called um, Zano. I've actually, got, mm-hmm. I've actually got a Zano boxed, brand new, that's never been opened. Um, what is Because this, this Zano was one of Europe's biggest um, crowdfund failures. Um, it, raised, it was a drone crowdfunder. As usual, these are a disaster most of the time. And it raised millions and millions, 2.3 million in backing. Ooh. That's a lot of money and it basically was a disaster and they claimed that this drone you know it was one of the first micro gps drones with a high resolution camera and unfortunately it didn't live up to any of that in the end unfortunately they were based in wales as well so uk based but it had global backers and they showed signs of of struggling and failing and there was a a zano owners facebook group and i joined it because i i'd invested you know this was back in Uh, early 2014 I think it was or so and um, I was quite excited by it you know because it I was just getting into GPS drones at that point as well so I backed it but I pulled out with a refund quite early on after I saw that it just didn't look viable and in the group that I was a member of there were thousands of members and I said to the guys look guys there are problems with this crowdfunder you need to take note and make sure you fully understand what you're investing in here and I outlined in bullets all of the challenges and the problems. And I mm. just got I just got abuse. I got trolled. I got insulted. I got told to shut up and go away. And I'm just ruining it. And it's exciting. And it's going to be a brilliant drone. And a year later, the company went into liquidation. They didn't deliver. I think they delivered drones to a few beta users, a couple of hundred yeah. betas. But none of them flew. They didn't fly. Um, um company went into bust, uh, into liquidation. Most people lost their money. And in the meantime, I'd left the group that I got trolled in. And I started a new one called Zano Backers or something like that. And rather than, you know, from that point, it had turned into, you know, instead of trying to get this drone, it was trying to help people get their money back. So helping them with their bank claims, with their PayPal claims, with their credit card challenges, and also mm. disputes with the company itself. And we managed to get almost everybody in in the group that I'd started their money back and when this all finished you know it got the the global media attention when it all finished we just thought what a shame to disband this group now you know we've got a great community here called um you know at the time was called Zano Backers or whatever um let's just turn it into a drone community of of passionate drone enthusiasts and it only had about a thousand members at that point And so we said, okay, let's do that. What should we call it? And I created a, I put a few names for the group into a poll. And I said, you know, vote guys on what you think this group should be called. And overwhelmingly, everybody voted for droning on. Um, Sure. It was, um, so that became the name. And it's still to this day, a really good Facebook group of people who just love drones. And we also often discuss drone crowdfunders. You know, there are lots ongoing at the moment. One of them is Microdrone 4 from Extreme Flyers, which is also featured on the BBC because, again, they're 15 months late or so, haven't delivered Ooh. a single product to anybody. Um, the CEO is is bullying and insulting people on Twitter, including me and Sean, who's in the chat from Geeks Geeksvana. Um, all we're doing is trying to help people. And when that yeah. campaign launched, I wrote an article to show that this is flawed. People still backed it, it raised millions, and it's currently a disaster. So mm. it's droning on started from something that was pretty bad, you know, a bad topic of crowdfunders, you know, failing. But it's turned into something really positive and I'm you know, I'm really, really happy with that, really proud and you know, really, really proud of all of the members who are just really, really supportive
0: yeah yeah and that's really honestly like such a powerful way to start it as well because the intention there was to help people who didn't have a voice you know i'm sure people couldn't communicate with this company there was no way to actually figure out what was going on so for you to create a community of people to really figure it out together that's such a wonderful way to start your journey anyway which is great and yeah. you had no idea it was going to become droning on at that point so that it all started with that group that's now been renamed and is that still the same group that is, you've got right now that's running on on facebook
1: yeah so droning on facebook um and then about uh basically after that the group got some attention from some other manufacturers and some crowdfunded companies sent me their <laughs> drones so <laughs> right. ironically that the weird twist here is that micro drone three from extreme flyers was one of the first uh, other drones that i was then sent to review and it was pretty naff um i had to get a number of replacements because they kept just burning up after a couple of flights motors um started the becks sort of burnt out and then another company um oh which i forgotten the name of sent me another <laughs> another product and another company and so then i thought okay well i might as well start a youtube channel and i look back at my first videos and there I, I shudder and i cringe because they're so embarrassing and you know i'm 10 meters away from the camera without a microphone using a a shotgun (laughs) but that's good yeah
0: yeah it's gotta you know if you look back and you're not almost disappointed in where you were at or if you're not kind of embarrassed by where you're at then you haven't had any sort of growth so for you to look back and have that reaction that's great means obviously you you're proud of where you're at now maybe
1: yeah yeah i mean it's 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 all a learning thing isn't it you know you Mm -hmm. as you start getting more into youtube you learn what to and what not to do and you learn techniques that work and techniques that don't um you know this is my um <laughs> is this your first ever video no this is my thousand subscribers thank you video you? and i mean at this point i'd you know i'd bought a decent camera well it was a nikon i thought it was decent but it's a nikon <clears throat> um now swap that you with tried. a canon um And, you know, I I bought a shotgun mic thinking that was good enough. But, you know, that you then very quickly move to a lapel. And then you want to get rid rid of that big, long trailing wire. So I bought the Rode Wireless Go, which is brilliant. Um, You start upgrading things. But my advice would be to anybody uh, budding YouTubers out there, don't spend a load of money immediately. Pace yourself and just start to enhance things as you go along. So buy a better camera later, buy a better microphone um, by you know the, the editing equipment later you don't need it all immediately and it, primarily it's about the content it's not about the how it looks i would say sound yeah. has to be good people can tolerate um, woolly video but people cannot tolerate bad sound um, yes uh, you know even when i watch back my first videos i can't tolerate the sound in those early videos and i wouldn't watch it mm-hmm. so get that right first um, and all yeah, you have to do is spend thirty pounds, fifty dollars, whatever, on a decent lapel clip-on mic. And back in those days, I used to plug that clip-on mic into my phone, and oh. then what I do is in edit, align the two audio between my camera and the the, the clip-on mic, and then uh, merge them in in the editing process. But you know, then I discovered that actually I could plug that clip-on mic straight into the camera. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> but you live alone. right
0: so so what was like when you started this whole thing because i know for you know a lot of people out there and i'm sure a few people are listening who want to start a youtube channel it is quite a daunting concept really especially now as things are moving on and we're seeing a lot of high budget youtube content out there so like what kind of advice would you give your younger self when you started out with youtube you gave us some ideas there about work like focus on the content don't fixate on maybe per- the perfectionism mindset of it has to be perfect yeah. Do you have any other advice for people starting
1: out yeah i would say think about not rambling on too much you know i watch my old videos and i rambled on too much and now when i look at my videos now when i look at the editing process the editing workflow i cut out so much of what i've said um so keep it to the point people's attention mm. on youtube is very very short And you'll find that videos over five minutes are probably too long. Uh, Mm. Try and keep your videos to five minutes in length because that generally is people's uh, tolerance in watching content. And, you know, if you're producing a, a tutorial, get straight to the point. Don't spend the first minute of the video trying to get them to subscribe. I don't even ask people to subscribe, I don't think, these days in my videos because if they like your content, they will anyway. Asking them just wastes content time and i you know watch my early videos now and i used to spend you know maybe 30 seconds to a minute saying you know if you like this channel please subscribe go and have a look at instagram look at twitter look at the facebook group blah 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 just shut up ash present the content (laughs) because when someone searches how do i fix this how do i Mm. do this they don't want you rambling on about just subscribe to my content, you know, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. They just want to know how to to achieve whatever they've searched for. So I've changed that massively in recent videos. Um, Other than that, try not to just be a talking head. Always mix in some video, mix in some static image, mix in some footage from flying your drone. Try and keep it interesting because if your video is entirely this shot, then you know, I will bore my viewer. Um, hmm. And it's when you start to change little things like that, that you notice your subs climbing, your views climbing. Um, you've got it right. I, I mean, I remember I remember when I had 10,000 subs, I had a number of um, channels that were my go-to channels that I always used to look at for, you know, how I want my channel to look. And yours, Dan, was one of mine. I always used to was watch it really? content. I remember commenting early on your videos, yeah, years ago, <laughs> And, you know, I remember thinking I love that guy's channel and I want mine to look mm. like that one day. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I've told you this before. and if you, I, I wish yeah. there was a way to find someone's lifelong comments on your channel because you'd see some of mine from years ago wow. before drones.
0: That's amazing. So, yeah. So, so would you say that that's another recommendation maybe, like having having people that you can look up to or content that you can maybe aspire to create without obviously comparing to someone else but almost – encourage you or inspire you like did you find that helpful in the early days
1: absolutely yeah i mean don't don't have a list of channels that you admire you like the way they present the content you like the way they um, deliver the content and use them as a reference but don't copy them you know i I see too Mm. many new youtubers trying to be somebody else and as soon as you fire up their video you can just tell from the way they've lit the set and everything um, and the way they've you know designed it that they they were trying to copy someone else and you know hopefully what i've what i'm building here this was just a shed by the way um a white shed um you know what i'm doing is trying to create a creative space in here where i'm i'm working but also you know for my day job but also it's a, a space where i can create and edit my content and so you know i want it to be a little bit different and you know i'm trying to make it look a bit different so hopefully it does look you know a little bit different um the camera will mm. never be in the same place i want i want it to be very dynamic and be in use all the parts of this so that's the other thing You know, my old videos. I used to sit in the kitchen. Terrible Mm. audio. (laughs) Worst acoustics you can get. Um, (laughs) I used to sit behind my kitchen table, and you know that was my shot. And so try and try and change it up. You know, people get too comfortable, and I don't want I don't want my channel to look like this. Um, so I'll often be outside you'll notice when you go through my videos I'll be in different places you know before I had this I was different parts of the house and I still intend to get into different parts of the house um Mm. and in the garden and by the beach and everywhere because I want to you know the viewers like it if they see something different because it's not just about the content it's about how it looks as well
0: yeah for sure yeah and I think one thing that I really appreciated about the brief chat we had just through messenger um you know, when I asked you if this was if this was your full time job, you, you told me that you had, you know, another job and a career and then this was kind of like it, it always started as a hobby. And, you know, that really resonated with me because I think a lot of people I talked to and early on when I started YouTube, the kind of the thought process a lot of people kind of come like the conclusion they come to is, Oh, are you doing this to try to make a living out of it? Or are you doing this with the intention to make money? And I think that can lose its special moment you know if you're really fixated on the financial gains you're then it's hard to kind of blend that creative outlet with focusing heavily on making it a business so for me like I, i was really good to hear that from you because i know you know when i came into this i i did it as a creative outlet a way to connect with people a way to kind of have my own voice and start a community um but you know it's even to this day it's like it's still a hobby i still just enjoy it for what it is and and i don't know whether that feeling that that beautiful kind of essence you have, whether that would be lost or if that would kind of change if it became a business. I agree. Um, Yeah. I I used to scuba
1: dive many years ago. My instructors were um, so passionate about scuba, but then their business started to take off and they started to just really lose that passion for it. And I I think Mm. the same can happen with drones. If you start making it a business and if, you know, with YouTube as well, once you start depending on it for money, the drivers that you have for creating content change dramatically. They won't say it does, but it does. Let's face it, Mm. we do our jobs because we love them. I love my job. I've been with the company I'm with now for 10 years. That's the longest Mm. I've ever been with any employer. I'm normally a year here you know, and a year with the next and a year with the next. But I love my job. I'm really passionate about it. If I got bored of that job, I would start to lose my passion for it. And with YouTube, um, you know, I think if you start doing it as a, a career, you're very, very rapidly going to stop having that passion and love for it. So for me, mm. I will never go full-time on YouTube because I- I've got family, I've got work, and you need a balance between that. And being full-time on YouTube it has a lot of demand. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I had a million mm. subscribers, you know, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. But it's not all about the money. And there are too many YouTubers out there who are about the money. And I hate this new trend of um, sponsored advertising slots on some streams, um, Mm. you know, where they're stopping to advertise a VPN um, platform or another one I saw the other day. Uh, website builder. Oh, I'm sick of seeing these adverts and some of yeah, my but... YouTube idols, you know, some of the channels I really look at for inspiration are starting to lose my subscriber. Um, uh, so it's my subscription because I'm sick of yeah, every yeah. five minutes. There being uh, an interlude, an advert break. Mm. So this is another tip. Once your, your channel is monetizable. So when you're over 10,000 subscribe, uh, a thousand subscribers, yeah, don't go overboard, have an advert at the beginning have a, maybe have an advert at the end, but just stick mm. with one at the beginning. Because, uh, and what I often do as well is when I put live a new video, I don't have any adverts initially because I want my mm. subscribers to see a clean version of the video straight to it. And what I'll then do after a week is then I add the front video and maybe one middle, mm. uh, front advert and maybe one middle advert. Because they're, not, they're not there to watch, a, you know, even when they're skippable, it's still irritating, isn't it?
0: yeah no, that's a really cool idea, man I didn't know you you did that. Is that something you've been doing for a while?
1: no I, I, and these are tips you pick up from other youtubers as well. I saw that i can 't remember who I saw this tip from, but I thought it was a great idea, and I enjoy watching their videos without an advert at the beginning when it, if I'm a loyal subscriber i 'm going to be quick to watch that video so my mm. my, my reward there is not to have an advert. So so I think it's a lovely idea. Maybe you know, sometimes it won't be a week. Sometimes it'll just be when I first publish publish it, and then 24 hours later, I'll add an advert. So that any you know real loyal subscriber gets it advert free. I think that's a nice mechanism.
2: Yeah, that's almost that's almost the selling point for subscription. It is. You Mm. get it get it ad free for the first week. Yeah, we'll notify you when it's in, and and yeah, watch it. As it is, you know, and then yeah, as you say, if you somebody's watching historical uh, videos, then adverts through in there, that's fine. Yeah, and um, mm. I really like. I, I mean, if I was um subscriber, which I have now, subscribe to your channel, oh. um, and got a, got an notification that uh, you'd put a new video up, and I knew that I could watch that for know, yeah, the first week without adverts, I'd be straight on it because they give me mm. shit to be honest. That's really um, good. Yeah. And, yeah i've watched a few recently where it's literally every 2 or 3 minutes there's a, an ad break and after like a couple of adverts i've just switched off the video i just like yeah. can't
1: be bothered Exactly. Yeah. And it is off-putting. And worst worst
2: one is the same bloody advert. So it's not (laughs) not even a rotation of adverts. It'd be the same advert three or four times in a row. And I'm just like, yeah, this is too much like channel (laughs) seven. Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. These website builder ones, everyone seems to be using them. Uh, Squarespace. That's the one, Squarespace. I I remember the name of it because of their bloody adverts. And that's sad because I don't remember the video. I remember the advert and then I remember looking for another video. You know, it's... So, don't. It's guerrilla tactics. Yeah. They they,
0: they push it to try to get as much attention as possible, but it loses the essence of what it is. It it just becomes annoying.
1: Especially when they're not even just saying, hey, by the way, this video is sponsored by Squarespace. Go and check them out. And that's it. They don't. They have a pre recorded uh, B roll that they then play out, Mm. and it's a minute, two minutes long. There's a really, really good YouTube channel called Orange 63. I recommend looking at this if you're into editing videos. This guy produces the best free transitions for Premiere and video tips and editing tips, real, real idol of mine, but ruins it by adding three minutes or so of of pre-roll trailer sponsored video into his videos. And you just skip through it and it's just annoying. And it's a real shame that so many YouTubers are selling out by doing this now. Do YouTube Mm. for, for the content and because you enjoy it, stop thinking about the money. You know, it's not about yeah. the money, it's about enjoying it. And I, you know, I've, I'm having a break from YouTube at the moment because I've moved house. We've just done a massive house move in, in Sweden. And um, <clears throat> so I, you know, I'm, I'm pausing content production for a bit. But, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I can't wait to get back because I love it. Whereas when it, mm. you start having to do this to pay the mortgage, to pay the bills, I don't think I'd love it anymore.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. That's it. And then you're so dependent as well on. You know a system that you you don't really have too much support through which i spoke to you Mm -hmm. about before you know the 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 real the real concern is the mental health of the youtubers that are that are like actually stressing themselves out over how can i produce as much content as i possibly can and it's coming from a good place they want to survive they want to eat you know they want to pay their rent but it it becomes a bit yeah it changes the whole approach to it you know you're not going into it necessarily for you know the creative outlet there is actually that money attached to it so that's a that's big, really cool you know
2: there's a big I think difference that's... in the sorry dan i thought you yeah had to stop. no there's, sorry there's big, big difference in the mindset between doing something because you have to do it and doing something because you want to do it exactly Um so mm-hmm. i think that's where the problem is once you yeah i have to do this then it becomes almost a burden yeah uh, as opposed to yeah oh, hey i, I really want to do this review i want to yeah tell people about this particular product is completely different from, oh, I'm going to have to do this now. have got to get it done by the weekend because, you know, people are expecting the content and I've written one for a couple of weeks and you start putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if it's something you're doing because you really enjoy doing it and you, it's something you really want to be doing, then you'll find that time and, and the timing will be what works for you. Yeah. You know, because and, uh... it's, you're not under that sort of pressure.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, you're absolutely right. Because of the house move over the last two months, I've said no to reviewing things, and I've I've declined companies' offers, which is really nice of them. But I've actually said no because the pressure to deliver, not only to get out there, well, first of all, to plan the story. What story do I want to tell? Where do I want to tell that story? Have I then got time to film it and edit it and then publish it and market that video and distribute it to all of the channels that that I have? It's, you know, it's a lot of work. And i tell you what, I, I review a lot of pre-release stuff for DJI. So I was one of the first to get the Osmo Pocket, the Osmo Action, um, the, um, what's the, Osmo, Osmo Mobile 3. <laughs> God, oh, my right. mind is frazzled. I had a, a crayfish party in Sweden last night and drank a lot of um, Snaps and Aquavit, so I'm sorry. <clears> but uh, just finding the time, you know, when you're on a, when it's a bigger manufacturer, they want your review to be ready on a date they have no control over my review content or the the bias or any of that my views, reviews are very neutral and i never show them my reviews before they go live by the way whereas some reviewers mm-hmm. like ijustine and all of that the commercial reviewers you know don't get me wrong i like watching ijustine who doesn't but the content is <laughs> very much commercial it's an advert it's not a review um But the pressure to get that review ready for the launch date. For example, the Osmo Action. I was on a business trip to Finland, I think it was, or somewhere. And that Osmo Action arrived with me about, I don't know, it was a few weeks before launch. And I was like, (gasps) you know, because I want to review it. I want to get my review Mm -hmm. out there so that people know whether to buy it or not. And I remember I took it with me. Um, to Finland it was absolutely freezing and I was there you know luckily I was in a hotel by some water so I was dunking it tying it onto a long bit of string dunking it in the water (laughs) doing everything I could running with it you know in my suit and wearing my trousers (laughs) no one was allowed to see it so if anyone walked past me I had to sort of you know cover it over because you get in big trouble when you sign um, you know an an NDA and by the way when you Mm. sign these NDAs all they say is that no one's allowed to see the product you're reviewing um, no one's, you're not allowed to talk about it with anybody. They don't say that your review must be positive or must be negative. Mm. Uh, you know, not that they'd say that, but there's a lot of mis- Yeah, but that's sections. good to clear up. Yeah, that is absolutely.
0: good. I think a lot of people think that because they received a review unit, they have to say a particular thing. But like you said, it's not the case.
1: No. And absolutely. if it wasn't, if they,
0: if they wanted that, that's, I'm sure that's something, because, you know, I've had had people reach out and try to get me to say a particular thing. And they're the ones I, I blatantly refuse. I also I agree with you. I don't like the idea of the company getting to see the video before it goes live. So then they get that final say, they can cut it again, they can tell me what to do. You know, that, that takes away the creative control and it becomes more of an advertisement
1: then. It is an advert. Yeah. I mean, as soon as the yeah. manufacturer <laughs> has control over your content, you're not in control of it anymore. And therefore it's not really your content. And I'll never, <laughs> ever let that be the the, the position. And I remember rendering out that uh the the osmo pocket as well you know i had that a long time before launch and i gave them lots of feedback and we went through lots of firmware and software iterations with that to get it right and i remember editing out that as quickly as i could because when they just as i was about to finish my review set (laughs) they released a new bloody app so then my review you know is kind of irrelevant before it's even live and it, it needs to be relevant for for launch, so I had to reshoot a lot of that with the new app, and I remember editing it, and the video was like almost twenty minutes long, and I remember rendering it out, and thinking I really need to sleep because I've got work in the morning, and it was like maybe two or three in the morning, and then Premiere crashed. So uh. right at maybe ninety-seven percent, it must have hit a transition that the renderer didn't like, so I had to start <laughs> it rendering again but you know you're oh. under a lot of pressure and that's why i've i've reduced the number of product reviews i do now because i just mm. found i didn't enjoy it and you know banggood yep. would send me stuff i remember one video i shot where i showed the pile of stuff that i hadn't opened yet and it was in mm. my spare room and i'm not kidding there were about 8 or 9 boxes of products from banggood gearbest hobby net hobby wow um dji uh, PGY yep. Tech, um freewell I just don't, I say no now to all of them because mm. I'm not reviewing any more budget crappy drones because they mm. waste people's money, a lot of them, and I just have a yeah. time. I don't enjoy it, so I say no now, and you know, mm. most of the, the reviewers of those products are doing it for affiliate income, and I hold, hold my hands up. I did it for affiliate income as well. I was honest with my reviews, however. Not many are, but if something was mm. rubbish, I said it was rubbish, but I'll be honest – it funded me being able to buy a camera, to buy an editing laptop. So all of that, you know, the affiliate income, I fed it straight back into the channel to make better content for people, and hopefully mm. viewers see that.
0: Yeah, no, that's great, man. So there's a lot in there. Like I, I resonate a lot with that message of, you know, you get a lot of products sent through, and it becomes almost this this cloud in your in your physical space, but also in your your mental space. And I found myself accepting too many products and then feeling like it was a burden on me that i had to figure out something to do and it lost a little bit of that you know that love that i had for it because i was saying yes to so many so yeah. like i really resonate with that and that's great that you've you've recognized that i think you know for a lot of people if they are in their tech review space it's it's really exciting you know the first time someone goes i'll send you something for free like that's so exciting yeah, yeah. but if you really kind of take a step back and recognize you know they're, they're, they have an agenda to this, like they're getting free advertisement and exposure out of you, you're putting in a lot of work. So in terms of the return on investment of your time, you know, it just becomes something you have to weigh that up sometimes if it's, if you're not enjoying it as well, like I find myself, you know, I'm very selective as well. And if I accept a product, um, which I have, you know, in the past couple of months back, I accepted a few and then, you know, I, I just didn't, didn't really feel like I wanted to do it. And sometimes I, I don't do the review because I have control over that. Um but yeah, no, I think that's, that's really good to hear, man.
1: And it is, uh, and, um, you know, I've often thought about um, be it turning this channel into more of a tech channel. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. putting the webcam there, by the way, so that your viewers can yeah, see cool. the video as well. But um, this video, I don't think people realize the time it takes to shoot and edit a video. This was for the Osmo Action. Mm-hmm. This video is 19 minutes long. I'm not kidding. The amount of footage all shot in 4K as well. Yeah, 4K. Um, was gigantic, absolutely gigantic. And I, you know, I, this is in Finland, I think, where I took it, testing EIS. You have to test every single feature of that product. Um, and then you've got to do things like, you know, split screen to show a real comparison on and off against the Osmo Pocket. So I had two products with me, two lots of footage, <laughs> having to then also plan the story, how, you know, what I'm going to show, when am I going to show it. Um, all of that it's such an amount of time and so to be honest when you get a new drone for review you've then got to think about well i need a shot on the ground i need a shot in the air looking at it i need a shot Mm -hmm. from the drone um and it it really becomes i mean the one thing the one i'm really proud of actually um is the mavic 2 a pass i don't know if you've seen this this review that i did But this one, I was so, so pleased with because it was the first time I'd ever used Adobe Premiere's multi-camera editing mode. And it meant that I shot this entire video by myself. And, you know, for for anyone else Mm. out there wanting to make YouTube footage, um, use Adobe Premiere's multi-camera because I had three cameras. I had the drone. I had a Canon that I was holding. Not a Nikon. (laughs) I had the Mavic Air's onboard footage. And... um, I had so I had all three, and I had a screen recorder on the app going at the same time. Now, normally, mm. before I discovered Adobe Premiere's multi-camera, which I'd never used before, I would have had to have edited all of this myself by just dragging timelines. You know what it's like. It's a headache. Yeah. It's a nightmare. It, Whereas it's a puzzle. It is, but you know what? Multi-camera in a Premier, Premiere Premiere makes it like a game because what mm. you do is drag all three clips um, onto your timeline, you turn them into a multi-camera. And then all you do is hit play. And as the video's playing on your premiere timeline, you press buttons on your keyboard, one, two, three, four, five, six, if you've got other cameras. And then what that does is flick between the cameras. So you become a live cameraman.
2: Awesome, awesome.
1: Yeah, so oh, that's how I edited this. So this is the Mavic Airs shot now that the viewers can see. Mm. The viewers on YouTube can just see the actual end video. Um, and then I decided, you know, I then wanted to show the trees I'm about to come through. So I hit the Canon to show what what the hell is this Mavic Air 2 about to to do. <clears throat> and then I show the app. So again, I'm flicking between them so the users can see the, the app shot. And if you decide you've, you've edited it wrong, you just wind the video back, press play again, and then re-edit by pressing one, two, and three. It's absolutely brilliant fun. And it meant yeah, that safe. I could film all of this myself, you know, which is... I love this shot. This really shows how clever the, the APAS system is. Flying through these trees all by itself.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: And the end of this I, I then start to run. So really test it. Oh, come on, YouTube. It's probably good <laughs> for streaming as well. Ah. Oh um, ad. Here we go. Advert, sorry folks. <laughs> well, it's a few, a few weeks yeah. old now. <laughs> Here we go. So running through the forest,
2: wow.
1: carrying a heavy tripod and a heavy cannon, um, and it's following me, and I'm not even looking at the drone, but look at that. <laughs> That's,
0: That's amazing.
1: This is, it almost That's, that
0: shows you a lot of evolution right it there. It does,
1: doesn't it? Yeah, my Mavic 2 couldn't do that. I, I was actually going to... This is the funny thing, really. I was actually going to film a Mavic 2 pass comparison, and Mavic 2 didn't even get through the first entry into that forest so i thought i'm not even gonna bother <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> that will be a short video
1: <laughs> yeah definitely yeah um,
0: well so it would actually just stop would it it would stop the yeah, it
1: wouldn't go through i mean it's it, you know ultimately yeah. it could have but i think dji decided that you know from a safety perspective you know they've massively limited the the capabilities of the mavic 2 there's no reason why the mavic 2 could not be upgraded to a pass three i personally think it's got Mm. as much processing power on board that it needs to do it but they've limited it and as per dji's evolution if they stick a pass three on the mavic 2 people will say why should i buy the mavic air 2 which is a shame
0: exactly yeah it is and that's just business really you know they've got to have some sort of offering in in each range to make it stand out otherwise like you said why would you bother you would just get that that high end one or
1: exactly um, yeah. Brad in the chat, uh, sorry, feel good. Danny, love that username in YouTube has said anything mm. about the smart controller versus Air Two? I love the smart controller. I can't tell you how much I love that product. Yes, it's expensive, but it makes me pull that drone out and fly it at times when I normally couldn't be bothered because I can't, I can't mm. get, can't be bothered to get my phone in that that horrible old controller. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, when I got the Mavic Two, um, no, sorry, before the Mavic 2's launch, Mavic Air Two. DJI gave me all the pre-release materials, um, and I said, will it be compatible with the smart controller? And they said, yep, about two weeks after Go Live, maybe it will be compatible. Um, And it's not. We're now, what, two months? And it's such a shame. And I think they're working on it. I believe the challenges relate to the fact that the app on the the, the smart controller is only 32-bit, not 64, something like Uh, that.
0: Okay.
1: And, And I think that's the big challenge with it. Uh, But I hope that at some point they'll introduce that compatibility. But what I would say, Brad, don't hold back. You just said you've been holding back on the smart controller because of Mavic 3. Um, You know, first of all, there is no Mavic 3 at the moment. Um, There are a few channels out there that keep going on about it and spreading this misinformation about OIS, optical image stabilization. It must be the Mavic 3. Well, we don't know that. And a drone with a, a mechanical gimbal doesn't need mechanical OIS and I think a lot of people don't a lot of these commentators don't understand what OIS actually is but you certainly Mm. don't need OIS and a mechanical gimbal for the same reason that if you mount your iPhone which is one of the only phones with optical image stabilization OIS as opposed to EIS Mm. if you mount that Apple iPhone onto a mechanical gimbal the first thing they say to do is disable Uh OIS because otherwise you get a juddering effect yeah yeah so i don't know and again there was a, another leak um from the fcc database of course that showed that they've revised mm-hmm. some elements of the existing patent patent however you want to say it um, that doesn't mean there's a mavic 3 <laughs> it just means that dji are up, updating their patents patents um probably <laughs> because of the litigation brought against them recently they're covering their backs now and one of that the piece of litigation was about the folding mechanism so I think they're just protecting themselves by updating old patents. There might be a Mavic 3, but guys, don't get hung up on it. Buy the drone you want to yeah. buy and fly it. Just don't waste your time because why not wait for the Mavic 5 or Mavic 6? Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know? exactly. you always be waiting for that next thing, that yeah. next golden thing. So I guess that's a kind of a good transition. We haven't really spoken about the future of drones. And, you know, one thing that stands out to me that you know, might be a thing in the future. I don't know if there's like kind of legal, legal ramifications for it, but have, have there been any waterproof drones or rainproof drones? Is that something that you think will be coming at some point?
1: There have, I mean, people have tried. So Lily, you might remember Lily, that mm. was um, said to be waterproof. In fact, I got offered one the other day, Ooh. a beta model. Um, he wanted a couple of hundred dollars for it. And I couldn't quite justify that I actually wanted $300. Um, But if any of my backers would like to see me doing a video on Lily, an actual beta Lily with the controller, the bracelet, let me know. Maybe if you want to contribute, if anyone wants to send some super chats in this feed now, um, then I will buy that Lily and it will be um, one of my next videos. Because that was a waterproof drone. You threw it and it would take off and fly. Uh, But unfortunately they failed miserably. Another crowdfunder that was a disaster or a pre-order campaign there are some others though There, there is spry from um what's the company called the orange drones not autel no they look like no. the old x uh old autel drones oh, what's their name spry drone um this is their racing waterproof drone um Swell Pro, that's it. I've reviewed Swell Pro stuff. I reviewed their uh, FPV quad, actually. It was really good. It was solid. I smashed this drone straight into a tree, and it was fine (laughs) in the early days of FPV. But yeah, they've got Spry, which is a a waterproof racing drone with a stabilised camera. But they do also have their main uh, Swell Pro drones, which are a bit rickety and a bit DIY. um, But they are waterproof, and they're not bad. They've been going for a long time, Chinese company. I don't quite know how they've gone on for so long now. But um, Oh, Mike, you're right. You can't send Super Chats on this channel because it's not monetized yet. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh well. Uh, but if, <laughs> if, if my um, investors on the other channel want to invest in a Lily, then I will review it. But yeah, I'd, I'd, waterproof doesn't really appeal to me, to be honest. I'm not interested in flying a drone that, that can get wet i just don't really need to
0: what kind of things would you like to see what what do you think is like the number one feature for you
1: i was discussing this with the the other day actually uh, And sorry just to say mike said yeah we need to get over a thousand k on this channel i would love this channel to grow and very just very quickly to explain mm-hmm. it is i started this channel um this is droning on live which is my channel for uh, because I found that the editing process takes so long in filming and putting together these really you know, creative videos. And so I wanted a way to just put content up there quickly. So I started droning on live, which I film just with my mobile phone. And I put them live on the mobile phone with no editing. It's quick and dirty. And if anything's breaking, I can get it on there really, really quickly. So you'll see some videos on here. Because what I also do is upload any raw footage. Let's say when I went out and shot that Mavic Air 2 pass test, um, I hadn't um hadn't pu- published the video yet but what I did is gave my droning on live viewers a treat by just shoving up some raw footage straight from the drone with no editing to to actually show that it Ooh. nearly crashed twice. Um and so it just it's, stopped them. Yeah, a lot of raw footage that I put on there there's my wife. <laughs> so you get to see a Swedish girl as well. But it's There you uh, go. It's a channel to basically just put stuff up quickly. And I love the fact that I can just film and dump it and make it live. Um, yeah. you know, the new DJI Osmo Mobile 4, an FCC a tweet came out from Kanha- Haji on that. So I did a quick video about that. Um, So, yeah, that's the the, the one channel. And then, obviously, I've got the other main channel, which is the, the main droning on channel. Um mm. So th- this is this only has 651 subscribers. The Droning On channel has 32,000. Uh, and I'm so mm. grateful to everybody on that channel that subscribed. So, um, yeah, sorry, that's just to explain the, the two channels.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in terms of your dream feature then, do you have some dream features that you're looking for?
1: Yeah, so Ray in the chat has just made a really valid point. 360 camera on a drone. Why have mm. we not seen that yet? And... We've seen lots of little action cameras now, which are modular, whereby you get two modules for, to give it 360, two cameras where you can mm. slot them in. I can't remember which model it is. Which
0: is it Insta? Insta360.
1: Insta360. Yes, Insta so you they know. could easily do it by, you know, sticking one of those on top of the drone and the underside and build it in a way that the props don't get in, in the way so that somehow we end up with a beautiful, you know, maybe doing as... Um, uh, Skydio do, with multiple cameras around the drone so that ultimately you can build a 360-degree image. That would be nice. To be honest, besides that, I have everything that I want in the Mavic Air 2. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. And I, People keep saying, when's the Mavic 3 out? I want the Mavic 3. I want the Mavic 3. Why do you want the Mavic 3? We've got over 30 minutes of flight time, 4K, 60 frames yeah. a second, which most people don't understand why they need 60 frames a second. They just want it. Um, we've got it in a compact form factor, you know, it fits in that tiny little carry bag. Mm. I I don't need anything else.
0: Yeah, that's a, it seems like, you know, a lot of people are kind of chasing that next kind of hot item. And, And there's probably also an element of, you know, you don't want that buyer's remorse where you buy something and then two days later a new drone's announced. And maybe that's why people are so, persistent trying to find out to make sure that they're not going to miss out they're going to spend a thousand dollars and then this new drone comes out that they'll miss out on all these new exciting features
1: that's true but, yeah. yeah that's. but true. i do
0: agree with you man you know like a lot of the stuff that's coming out now anyway like you you would be happy with you know the mavic mini the mavic air even the older mavic air the original like they're all great the original mavic pro, original is still mavic really pro. Good...
1: you can buy an original mavic pro now for i don't know a couple of hundred dollars probably and it's far more capable than most people need even now even mm. today um, I mean the, th- this little thing that, mm. that can do you saw what I did in the hotel and this thing yeah. is so 2.7k limitation yeah but scale that up to 4k um, you know as I do with, with the, the hotel video I scaled it up to 4k and it looked beautiful um, and mm. I tested i don 't know if you 've seen this in your your mavic mini group, but again, using the the premiere 's multi camera mode, I took the mavic mini out on a incredibly windy day thirty eight kilometer per hour winds or twenty five miles per hour are you miles per hour or kilometers in australia
0: kilometers
1: are oh, very sensible too good <laughs> thirty eight kilometers per hour that 's
0: crazy yeah, I shared that one in the mavic mini group actually oh good it 's crazy man it
1: did absolutely it how capable it
0: is right there that's that's an example of how capable it is in high winds
1: yeah that's you you would think that's a paused shot then but actually it was <laughs> it was still and you when you look at how much the drone's moving and i kept hearing about these people you know with flyaways and you know challenges in heavy wind and yeah if you're not careful but look at that onboard footage it's so calm
0: yeah so can't i can't tell
1: i really think we have peaked um in drone tech at the moment we've managed mm-hmm. to make them smaller we've made them fly for over 30 minutes we've given them 2.7k or 4k cameras with the mavic air 2 they have got sensors galore yeah i'd like some more sensors on the air 2 but to be honest if i was buying a, a new drone now having flown the mini the original mavic pro the mavic 2 pro the mavic air 2 um i've got an analfi here, Anafi, Anafi, oh, yeah. Anafi. However, you want to pronounce it, is a lovely drone. I, I really enjoy that drone. Um, mm. I would buy today the Mavic Two Pro, personally. Okay.
0: Have you I, used the Mavic Two Zoom?
1: I haven't. I'm not not interested in zooming in when I can crop my 4K footage from the Mavic Two Pro. And I don't. I can understand that the, the benefit of being able to zoom into an object instead of flying close to it. I'm bored of Dolly Zoom. I, I, that's far, way overdone. Um, so I have mm. no need for a Zoom. And the Anafi has a Zoom, but I, I've never used it. Yeah, fair enough. I used it in Bulgaria when I, I took the Anafi. I was going on holiday to Bulgaria, and Parrot sent me the Anafi, um, which I must say I, I, I think is a great drone. You know, if It's a tie-up between the Anafi and this, to be honest, for your first drone. Um, oh, this really? Is, this wow. is smaller. Yeah, the Anafi is absolutely brilliant. And the transmitter on the anafi is lovely what is it
0: that you like so much about about the anafi
1: it's just it's portable it's very very light um it's not under 250 grams unfortunately but it's um very very capable it's 4k it's um the transmitter is so nice to hold in your hands dji could learn a lot i can see why skydio picked up the transmitter actually didn't uh, skydio use are using the parrot anafi transmitter for the skydio drone um nice. and it's you know this is 4k straight out of the Anafi with no video editing no no um color grading or anything and wow. it's a, a really really capable drone it's gimbal isn't as good as DJI gimbals so that the stability of the the footage is not quite as good in in wind um there's a little bit of wobble you can see there but it it's a really really nice drone you get a good long flight time you've got the fully 90 degree upward tilt as well
0: yeah, I liked that idea. Yeah, well, does that work quite well?
1: Yeah, I couldn't think of what to do with it. Um, so, in my testing yeah. of it, you know, I showed, you know, shooting upwards, you could use it to inspect things, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I, you can create some really cool optical effects like this flying under a tree. Oh, yeah don't know what else you can But also do.
0: yeah like where are the applications for that i guess <laughs>
1: Exactly. i exactly. guess
0: for inspection that's a good that's a good point for sure under a, a bridge or, or something yeah <laughs> If you wanted to inspect underneath something yeah
1: there's not a lot else that you can do this is the zoom of the anafi anafi so that's oh, in, yeah i mean it's you know it's a. I think it's a four times optical zoom um but i i don't really know what else you know not really sure Hey drone uh, viral. Hey Aussie tech in the chat as well. And just say, Hey uh, Brad as well. Thanks to you guys for joining. Cause that was something
0: I was thinking the other day, you know, have have drones kind of peaked like similar to how smartphones they're now adding just more cameras, more power to them, but they're not really wowing too many people. Like have drones hit that point? Do we think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the time when you, you know, you always wanted to have the next mobile phone. So I've had, pretty much every Samsung Galaxy since they started. I've still got most of them, actually. In fact, my Galaxy 3, S3, I still use for when I paraglide. Um, And I've got that. That's my uh, cockpit computer. So I've got it on my lap so I can see, you know, where I am navigating. S3 still works. But you knew that with the Samsungs every year, the new one was out, and it did so much more. So you changed to to the next, the S4, the S5, S6. But I, I bought the S8, and... The S nine came out, but my S eight still worked brilliantly. The battery still held brilliantly. Features weren't any different really. The camera was the same sensor, I think, so I didn't upgrade to it. The S ten came mm. out. The only reason I bought the S ten is because I smashed the screen of my S eight, and I, you know, it was cheaper to get an upgraded phone than to change the screen on it. But mm. we're now on the what Samsung S uh, twenty S20 now, the new S twenty. Yeah, I don't need it. So I think no. drones have almost hit the point where we had to upgrade. You know, when you think of the original Mavic Pro, 20 minutes of flight, you know, it wasn't quite long enough. It was very heavy. The only reason we upgraded was because there it was an upgrade. But now, mm. yeah. I mean, Geeks Varner says, in my personal opinion, consumer drones will be dramatically different within five years, uh, both through mm. tech advances and regulation. He's right, because regulation is forcing drones to be lighter and forcing them Mm. to be compliant to some CE standards now in Europe at least. Uh, And that will come into the rest of the world as well. So that will drive the change and evolution of drones, I think, regulation and what the consumers want. And I don't know, to be honest, I I don't need anything else at the moment. And I I love drones and fly them all the time. So what the average consumer needs that flies them once a month, I don't think they need anything else apart from cost Mm -hmm. to come down.
2: Yes, definitely. it'd be interesting to see where the Mavic Three goes um, because I know yeah, there's still speculation as to what the specs will be, and there's a a, a lot of I guess um, rumor mills out there. But one of the ones that um, picked my interest was they were talking about it uh, being set on an H-frame, um, like mm-hmm. the Inspire, um, mm-hmm. but foldable, so a collapsible H-frame, mm-hmm. um, which make it much more stable in the wind, and um, so. I mean that could be interesting if they uh, move away from the current form uh, to something that has more benefits. So yeah, whether it's lighter or yeah, whether it's more stable in the wind. I mean that might be a sort of tipping point.
1: Yeah, it could be. Um, and again, that was just a a rumor. It, it wasn't a yeah. um, you know Mavic three definite. It's a rumor. I, I honestly can't oh. see them changing the form factor of the Mavic. Uh, I really can't see that happening. I think if that H-frame could simply be an Inspire Mini or something like that, because people yeah. love the gimmick. I reviewed mm. a, a budget Inspire clone once that had the folding undercarriage up, and it was so fun. Um, it was a gimmick, until it broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I'm really not sure. I'd, you know, I, I think the... I, I liked the original Mavic Air look i think mm-hmm. i don't personally love this look and i said this in my mavic air what's wrong with it video that i think it should have been prettier it should have they should have adopted the sleek and rather sexy looking mavic air look and feel because the the mavic air 2 i don't think is you know they, they just copied the original mavic yeah. pro and i don't think it's a good look personally
0: yeah no i've got to agree with that that was the comment that i made in my my video like i loved how unique the mavic hair looked and you know, in terms of just uh, marketing and for the everyday user, like it makes sense for them to streamline the range. So when you go into a store, it's like you can have a Mavic Mini, a Mavic Air, or a Mavic Pro. And you look at them, they all look the same, and they can just talk about the specs. But the Mavic Air had that unique, stealthy, kind of sexy look to it. it and and then it just disappeared, you know? It's now they all look the same.
1: You could have sat the original Mavic Air on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, and it would have fitted <laughs> right in. It just looked yeah. cool, didn't it? But this just yeah. looks a little bit like an egg egg carton. You know, you, I I don't like the look of the, the Mavic range at the moment. I think they could be far prettier, but they're functional, aren't they? And they've obviously yeah, well, deemed a... this to be aerodynamic, although, yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I know that we've been going for a while. I don't want to hold you up for too long. So just kind of wrapping this out, are there any last thoughts or anything we've missed or anything you'd like to clear up or anything before we kind of end it.
1: um i think there's one thing i would say there's a lot of um you know we talked about my roots in flying and aviation and stuff like that and there's one topic that i'm very very keen on which is aviation and safety and i joined a stream the other day um with good old bruce from um, xjet and um he's very drones own the sky aircraft don't and i completely disagree with that view and You know, I think for everyone watching, we have to remember that we are guests in the sky and the people that are up there in person, the aircraft, uh, you know, the manned aircraft, commercial or private, they are up there and their lives are at risk. Um, We're not I'm not saying a drone will take down an aircraft, but it will cause significant damage to an aircraft. So regardless of whether it will take an aircraft or a helicopter, you know, plane or a helicopter out of the sky, that's kind of irrelevant I don't want to ever see a drone operator causing a hundred thousand pounds worth of damage to a light aircraft or a jet, because that will be globally in the press and media, and it, it brings us all into disrepute and it, it tarnishes us all. So when mm-hmm. we're flying our drones, we are guests up there in the sky. Be aware of what, what else is around you, be aware of the airspace. Be aware of what's called notams, notice to airmen, which is um an alert that something else is going on for example there's a balloon fiesta happening and so you should avoid this area on this day or between these hours Uh, and just be responsible because nobody wants to be the next person in the press and media um, criticized for flying their drone irresponsibly and i have a vested interest here as you can see here i do fly paramotors or paragliders and when i'm up there in the sky i've been up there flying around before and i've heard a meow and I thought, mm-hmm. what the hell was that? And somebody was flying their FPV quad below me. And we had right of way. It was our flying field where we fly our paramotors. Somebody else had decided to fly their FPV quads below us. Now, luckily, they didn't try and ascend and fly with us at our altitude. They stayed, you know, quite low down. And, I'm at, you know, you have to be at 500 feet after you've taken off um, in a, a paraglider or any light aircraft, in fact. Luckily, he observed the, the limit of, of his airspace of 400 feet but had he not and he'd lost control of his FPV drone the sharpness of those props spinning especially on a 5 inch Mm -hmm. quad could tear right through my chute here my wing and you know it's terrifying so I've got a vested interest having you know being up there and flying that people are flying responsibly and that you know we've all got that that we need to make sure that we're all careful when we're flying because otherwise you know you might end up taking damaging a manned aircraft or one day, who knows it just hits the wrong piece and you end up taking that manned aircraft out of the sky that would be <laughs> horrific Excellent. for us all as a community
0: yes exactly right, No, that's a really good point for sure great, and anything else before we round this out?
1: Uh, no, just that this is our first proper stream on Droning On Live so thank you Dan for you know hosting a great show and for giving us an an excuse to rapidly set this up (laughs) not really knowing what we're doing but at least we know zoom works really well this is zoom by the way guys and um, we're using zoom through obs into youtube and it's it's worked very smoothly so um, and also for my viewers please go and subscribe to dan's uh youtube channel dan's tube tv on youtube um dan dan's channel was an inspiration for me when i was growing mine um So you know, please go and check out his channel. And thanks again to Keith as well for you know joining and giving great input and running a great club as you do over there in Australia.
0: It's been great. Cool. Appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. It's been great to actually finally chat to you and actually have this this opportunity. You know, it's been such a build down and, and chat to you. So hopefully we can still you know connect. Uh, even, as you said, you know, to learn maybe a bit of OBS, we could connect uh, and learn a bit more about that.
1: Definitely. And I have to thank Sean, who's in the chat, one of my mods as well from Geeks Um He's been brilliant at helping me to understand OBS. Um, I've just thought, uh, oh, yeah, Open Broadcaster System, I think it stands for. But it's a way of streaming to YouTube for people who don't know what OBS is. But thank you, Sean, for all of your help and advice in getting this, getting OBS installed and working. <clears throat> But yeah, thank you very much. And to everybody in the chat as well for joining. Really, really appreciate your support. Thank you very much.
0: Yes, thank you, everyone. Appreciate everyone's time. Uh, We did also have a few things that we didn't really engage with about favorite drones and first drones. But, you know, it was great to see everyone engaging as well. Definitely. Cool. Well, thank you. Uh, We'll be in touch, I'm sure. Appreciate your time.
1: Definitely. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah.